You are listening to the Grace Covenant Church Audio Podcast. As we get into the Word today, if you would look with me to the Gospel of John, that's where we're going to be uh, in just a few minutes. John chapter 18, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You can also take the sermon notes there if you would uh, like. You can follow along this morning. Today we're, we're launching into a new series that will address some of the challenging issues of our day. This is one of those series that's certain to generate a few emails, um, as well as there's some excitement, maybe some frustration. Some of you at times will be saying, Amen. Others will be saying, Oh me. Uh, because it has that ability to challenge us on both ways. And you may even walk away from some of the sermons in this series thinking, you know, I don't know if I fully agree with all that was said today. Because one of the things that's interesting to me is how we can look at a same situation and have a different perspective. I mean, even look into God's Word. We can look at the same verse of Scripture, and you might see it in one direction, and I might see it in another direction, and we walk away with, with two different perspectives of the same point of truth. Um, so there are those challenges, there are those differences, but as we talk about these difficult uh, polarizing issues happening in our culture today, there's two questions that we always want to come back to. And it's these two questions that should anchor us, not only throughout this series, but in our lives. And here's the question. The first question is this, is what does God's Word say? God's Word is the ultimate source of authority. So we always want to come back to what does God's Word say? What's the truth of His Word? What does it declare? Here's the second question that we always want to ask is, How would Jesus respond to the issue? This issue, whatever it is, how would Jesus respond to it? Now see, Jesus is the model that we want to follow. It's his life that we want to emulate. Um, We're going to talk about these issues in this series, Culture Shock. And I I call this series Culture Shock for a couple reasons. The The first would be simply because I think Culture Shock accurately defines what's happening today. Uh, in our community and in our world. Culture shock is defined as this. Listen as I read this definition. Culture shock is a feeling or is the feeling of disorientation experienced by someone who is suddenly subjected to an unfamiliar culture, way of life, or set of attitudes. Now, I don't know about you, but I read some of the articles posted in the Charlotte Observer or I listen to uh, the news Uh, or I listen to individuals debating uh, different issues, and it's like, what country am I living in? Like, how did we get here? How did we arrive at where we're at at today? I think there's some culture shock going on. Uh, And so that's one of the reasons. The second reason I titled this series Culture Shock is because I read a book last year, and actually I've read the book again, I'm uh, like in my third reading through the book, and the title of the book is actually called, it's called Culture Shock. Uh, It's written by by Chip Ingram, and I think it is one of the best written, well-balanced, truth-focused books I've ever read when it comes to addressing uh, these polarizing issues. Um, We actually have... uh, picked up some of these, uh, and we have them available, uh, 10 bucks a piece, 15 on Amazon. Okay, you get the best deal at Grace Covenant, right? Um, 
because we got a large number of them, we were able to have them available at 10 bucks. Obviously, that we're not trying to sell books. I'm not getting a kit back from Chip. He doesn't even know who I am, uh, if you're wondering. Uh, 10 bucks a piece, but we have them available. And, and th- I'm sorry, we, I think we have, they said 14 left. Uh, so we'll be getting more next week. We, we had 150, and they went quite quick. Um, so we'll have some more. But that's the second reason is because... Um, Many of the issues we're going to be talking about in this series are addressed in this book. And I think Chip Ingram just does a phenomenal job. So again, I would highly, I would highly recommend that you pick up the book. But let me tell you what we're going to talk about in this series. This morning we're going to begin with just kind of kicking off the series, kind of laying the foundation for the series as we talk about how we should address the issues. The conflicting issues. We're going to talk today about the model of Jesus. Because one of the things I've discovered is that oftentimes we as Christians don't do a good job at addressing the issues. Oftentimes we can be hateful in the name of Jesus. Get that. We can be attacking in the name of Jesus. Um, I happen to believe that we can disagree without being disagreeable. I happen to believe that we can speak the truth in love without making a... um, a donkey's rear end of ourselves, if I can say it that way. So, so we want to talk about the model of Jesus. What is the model? What's the model for us to address the issues? Then, in the coming weeks, we're going, to, we're, we're going to talk about some of these challenging issues. We're going to talk, next Sunday, we're going to talk about sexuality. Uh, it's a challenge in our culture today. Uh, we're going to talk about homosexuality in this series. We're going to talk about abortion. We're going to talk about politics. We're going to talk about racism. As Even as I think about that list, I'm wondering, what was I thinking when I created that list? <laughs> but these are challenging issues. And it's the reality of what's happening in your school. If you're, if you're a student, listen, as a student in school, whether you're middle school or high school, uh, maybe not so much for elementary, but for middle school and high school, you're having to deal with these issues in your school. In the marketplace, in your workplace, wherever you work. I tell you, at the water cooler, there's discussions going on about these kind of issues. Polarizing issues, divisive issues, yet they're a reality in our culture today. How do we respond to them? You know, as I was putting this sermon together, I had a flashback to some of my memories as a kid growing up on the farm. I have a brother that's a little older than me. I have three cousins, male cousins, that are about my age. So just imagine five boys what you could get into. In the summertime, one of our favorite things to do was we would literally hunt for a wasp nest or a hornet's nest. I don't know what it was about a wasp nest or a hornet's nest that was so intriguing to young boys, but we would hunt and hunt and search and search until we found a wasp nest or a hornet's nest, and then we would throw rocks at the thing, or we would get a big stick and whack it, I mean, whack at it until we hit it, and so either one or two things was going to happen, either it was going to get knocked down or somebody was going to get stung. But this is one thing you could guarantee, you were going to stir up some conflict. You whacked that hornet's nest, something was going to happen, Right? But I feel a little bit like this morning, we're getting ready to whack a hornet's nest. We're getting ready to create a little conflict. Because again, these issues polarize, even in the church. I'm not even talking about outside of the church. I'm talking about in the body of Christ, in the larger body of Christ. Not just grace covenant, larger body, larger body of Christ. These topics create conflict. They're divisive. Um, a, a great, I think, present-day illustration of this is what's happening in our community in relation to the what's called the HB2 bill. 
Most of you probably have heard of the H2, HB2 bill, right? Are you with me? What's being discussed in our city that's kind of flowing up certainly affects us here in the northern end of Mecklenburg County. And I don't want to so much talk about the HB2 bill to give you my position on it, right or wrong, but I want to talk with you about how the church is responding to it, which I think is interesting and intriguing. Um, a couple weeks ago, I was reading the local newspaper, and here's a group of pastors who are leading churches in the city, and they are attacking what they would call the religious right group, and they're calling people to rally and pray in support of the HB2 bill. And what's interesting is the next day, the same newspaper has a story about another group of pastors who's calling the church to pray, to rally against, to pray against the HB2 bill. And as I was thinking about these two stories, I thought, my goodness, this is not even the world attacking the church. This is the church attacking the church. We can't even agree on what we believe together as the body of Christ. Talking about divisive issues. And we all have biases, right? We all have opinions. We all have perspectives. But at the end of the day, we, we really need to know what Jesus said, and we really want to do what Jesus did. It's interesting that Jesus brought light, not heat. You're thinking, well, pastor, what about when Jesus cleansed the temple? It's interesting when he cleansed the temple, he was going after religious folk. Not to say, I think it's even interesting that Jesus spent most of his time hanging out with the sinners. And that's what upset the religious folk of the day. It's like, how could he go have dinner with a bunch of outcasts, a bunch of sinners? Jesus even said something like this. He says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. And so that's where, that's where Jesus went. But Jesus brought light, not he, he He confronted the unpopular and controversial issues of the day with clarity and truth. But he treated people with respect and dignity in the process. That's what's significant. And Jesus promised that the truth would set us free. So in this series, we want to look at truth. But it's interesting, Jesus also said this, love one another. So this is how the world will know that you're my followers, but how you love. So we want to, as we're dealing with these issues, we want to address the issues with truth, but we also want to address these divisive issues with love, the love of Christ. There is an ongoing conflict playing out in our culture today that's generating division, it's generating confusion, and it's generating animosity. We have what I would say today is chaos in our culture. What's playing out today in our community? Chaos in our community. Chaos in our culture. I mean, we live in a day and time where it's like uh, right is being called wrong and wrong's being called right. Up's being called down and down's being called up. Even we platform and applaud wrong today. And we're living in a time of, of chaos. There's chaos in our culture. For example, we have the recent happening of Bruce Jenner, a male having a sex change to present himself as a female. And so today he's known as Caitlyn Jenner. Now, whatever he wants to do, I think every individual has uh, the opportunity to make their choice and go down their path, whatever their path would be. So whatever choice he wants to make, I think that's his choice to make. This is what challenges me. I think this is the chaos of our culture, is we would take that situation, we would take that individual, and we would put them on a platform at the ESPYs Award, and we would give them the Courageous Award. And as I'm watching this thing play out, I'm thinking, man, this is confusing. 
Like, what's happening in our world? What's happening in our culture? And we come to that place that, that this is what we would applaud. This is what we would platform. So how did, we, how did we get here? I happen to believe that there's been a slow deterioration of our values and morals and a slow departure from the truth. Today our culture is being shaped by worldly views and we have neglected the truth. We live in a day, I think like a time recorded back in history. If you come to the book, uh, the end of the book of Judges, there's a summary statement of that time period in history. And this is how it reads. In this day, everyone did fit. Everyone did what they, everyone did what they saw in their own eyes as being right. In other words, whatever you wanted to do, we'll just call that right. So whatever you want to be right, whatever you want to be true, that's okay because you're your own God. And it's that that's created this, this challenge, this slow drift from truth. But as followers of Jesus Christ, we're called to a different way of life. Paul speaks of this in Romans 12, 2. Verses on the screen, it reads like this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not be conformed. Do not be shaped by the culture of the times, whatever times there that we're living in or that you might be living in. He says, no, renew your mind. So according to Paul, rather than allowing the world and the ways of the world to shape our thinking living process, we need to renew our minds. We need our thinking and living to be shaped by the principles and the truth of God's word. You've heard me say this before, but let me just mention it again. The God who made us, our creator who created us, the creator, we are the created beings. He gave us an operating manual. This book, this Bible, is God's operating manual for his created beings. And God knew we were going to have some challenges. He knew we were going to have some struggles. So what? He gave us an operating manual to help us. Listen, he didn't give us the book to limit us or restrict us. He gave us the book to help us. He gave us truth to guide us. But we can't allow the world to conform our thinking, living process. Paul would say, no, you've got to renew your mind. You've got to come back to the truth and the principles of God's word. Because see, everyone has opinions, but as followers of Jesus Christ, we must hold to the truth of God's word when it comes to the hot topics of our culture. Now, as we talk through these issues, as we talk about uh, sexuality and homosexuality and abortion and politics and racism, this is what I know, it's going uh, to stir some stuff. So this is what you can do. You can email me. Here's my email address. It's gburris at foursquare.org. gburris at foursquare.org. He would be glad to respond to anything that you have to send. But when it comes to culture shock, seriously, when it comes to culture shock and these topics these conflicting topics today, I think there's mainly four different positions the church has taken. Now, not, not the world, I'm not talking about the world, but the church, talking about us as Christ follows. Four different positions. The first position I think we've taken concerning these divisive, polarizing issues is just to ignore. What we would like to do is just, you know, if I just ignore this, it'll go away. I'm, I'm sad to, to say, folks, this is not going to go away. 
It's not going to get better. Left unaddressed, it's going to get worse. Or maybe for some, you're like, well, I don't know how to address the issue. I mean, homosexuality, I don't know how to address that. I'm intimidated. I don't have information. Therefore, I'm not going to say anything. And you're just, you're ignoring the issue. And it's not, a, it's not a good response. Here's a second response that oftentimes I find happening in the church today is compromise. When it comes to these divisive issues, there's a lot of compromise happening in the church where we have compromised the absolute authority and the truth of God's Word. And we've done it in the name of political correctness. And we've done it in the name of tolerance. And we've done it in the name and the cover of, of compassion. But the reality is what's happened is we've said, I'm not going to adhere to, I'm not going to follow, I'm not going to allow my life to be shaped by the truth of God's Word. I'm going to compromise God's Word and I'm going to embrace this worldview and I'm going to call it Christian when it's not Christian. It's called compromise. Hey, here's a, a third position, and I don't think this is a right position either, but I see happening in the church. Often Christians, um, when it comes to divisive issues, they enrage. They get angry. They, they get hateful. They get attacking, and they do it in the name of Jesus. That's an interesting thing. Now, I understand individuals being passionate for issues of morality. I understand that. I understand in individuals being passionate for what is right and what is wrong. And, and I want to make room for that. But listen, it's never appropriate for us to become angry and hateful and attacking and self-righteous and religious in the name of Jesus or cover it by saying, well, we're the church. Not appropriate. In recent days, I've been a part of two events where leaders, spiritual leaders in Charlotte, called the church to action. And being that I'm the leader of a congregation, I felt I had a responsibility to go and, and be a part of. But as I arrived, these were two different times, two different sets of issues. But it was calling the church to a point, they said, calling the church to a point of prayer. And as I arrived at both of these issues, I I saw the church and the church's response, because like all of these are the church folks, and over here is all the unchurch folks. It was pretty easy to tell them apart. But I just kind of stood back and I watched this thing play out. Here's the church folks, and here's the unchurch folks. And I thought, I don't want to be identified with either one of those groups. Because in the name of Jesus, this group here was yelling and screaming. And some of the stuff they were saying was so far from being compassionate and loving and kind. I thought, man, I don't want to be a part of that because that doesn't look to be like Jesus to man. And then there's this other group. They were the ones who, it appeared to be, I'm not, it's not my place to judge, but they appeared to be far from God. And I thought, I, I really don't fit in with that group either. But I don't want to be identified with these, these hateful, bitter Christ followers who were enraged. So obviously that's not the right response. So what is the right response? I believe the right response for us as Christ followers is this. We want to engage, not enrage. Engage. In other words, we want to engage in healthy conversation. We want to come in compassion, not condemnation, and to begin to have healthy conversation in which we can convey truth, which we can speak truth. 
We want to engage. So really simple. What do we want to do? We want to follow the model of Jesus. So what's the model of Jesus? In the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14, the verse is on the screen. So you don't have to turn back to it. And since it's on the screen, why don't we read this together? Would you read this with me? The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 17 in this same chapter goes on to say that the law came from Moses, but grace and truth came from Jesus. Grace and truth. So if we're going to follow the model of Jesus, the model of Jesus is always about grace and truth. Now it's interesting, as you look to this verse, the order, the structure of this verse is really significant. Notice the scripture says that Jesus came from the Father. Notice it doesn't say he was full of truth and grace. No, what it says first, he was full of grace and truth. If you study the Gospels, if you study the life of Jesus, you'll find that Jesus always engaged first with compassion, care, and love. Never with condemnation. Remember, the only people, as I mentioned earlier, the only people he scolds throughout the Gospel are the self-righteous religious folks who were so messed up in their hypocrisy, they didn't know up from down. It was those folks that Jesus scolded. It was those folks that Jesus ran out of the temple. But in every, other, in every other conversation, Jesus always led with compassion, not condemnation. Full of grace and full of truth. You know, a great illustration of this is in Luke 19. You can write that chapter down. You can check out the story later. But it's a story of Zacchaeus. Now, here's the story. Quick, a quick summary. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, which basically means this. He was a thief. He was a cheat. He was a lying, no-good rascal, basically. That was a, a chief tax collector. But he had heard about Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus. So Jesus is coming down this road through Jericho. Zacchaeus climbs a tree so he can see Jesus. Jesus comes right under the tree. He stops and says, hey, Zacchaeus, going to have a bologna sandwich with you today. Not really, because Jesus was a good Jew and he wouldn't have had bologna. Let's say uh, a good turkey sandwich. Go into your house to have a turkey sandwich today. And it's interesting that the, the scripture says that the crowd who heard Jesus invite himself to Zacchaeus' house said this. All the people who saw this began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. It's like, does, does Jesus not know who he is? I mean, like he's a cheat. He's a lying, no good rascal. And Jesus is going to go have a turkey sandwich with him. What? This is crazy. But it was that encounter that changed Zacchaeus' life. How do I know? Because the scripture says this. Zacchaeus responded after his conversation, after his encounter with Jesus. He said, Jesus, I'm going to give half of all I have to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone, I'm going to return four times the amount what I've taken. That tells me transformation had happened in his life. How did the transformation happen? I'm convinced it happened like this. First, Zacchaeus experienced grace. Jesus went to his house and just hung out with him. And they had lunch. He experienced the compassion of Jesus. And it was the experience of the compassion that opened his life to the truth that ended up bringing transformation. 
Now, I think the model, the model we need to follow as we're dealing with these polarizing issues is the model of Jesus. He came full of grace. Full of grace. So what, we want to come with kindness and compassion and respect. We want to be full of grace. But listen, we also need to be what, full of truth. We need to courageously and confidently speak the truth of God's Word, the absolute truth of God's Word with love. So love is the motivator. It's not just winning. And one of the things I think that's challenged us today is we think that our job is to win. We're in an argument. Brian and I are in an argument about this divisive issue, and my job's to win. Listen, my job's not to win. My job is to represent Jesus. Really simple. Not to win an argument. I'm not, I don't have to position myself to win. Listen, Jesus has already won, right? I don't have to win. All I have to do is represent Jesus. That's all you have to do. Oh, yeah, and he came full of grace and full of truth. Now, we don't want to just be full of grace. Listen, if you're just full of grace and you don't bring the truth, then you're enabling dysfunctional behavior. That's what grace alone does. Grace empowers others to stay stuck in their dysfunction. So we don't want to just grace alone, grace without truth. Nor do we want just truth without grace, truth alone. If you have truth without grace, it becomes attacking and condemning. So we need the two together. Following the model of Jesus, but he came full of grace and full of truth. You know, there's another verse that also helps us know how to respond to these polarizing issues of our day. It's, it's found in Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. The Apostle Paul wrote these words. He said, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Notice Paul says here in these conflicting issues, he says, first of all, let your speech be full of grace. How many of you know that you have a challenge, and the challenge is, is oftentimes you just run off at the mouth? Come on, don't get holy on me. You engage that mouth of yours before you engage your brain. That's why Paul would say in these issues, you need, your speech needs to be full of grace. Notice, but he he doesn't stop there. He says, season with salt. Now, for us in our culture today, salt is like for flavoring. But in Paul's day, salt was an antiseptic used to bring healing. So in other words, Paul was saying, hey, bring the truth. Your speech should be full of grace, but it needs to be seasoned with truth. You're bringing truth that brings healing. And then he says, you got to know what you believe and be ready in every situation to give reason for what you believe. And that's how Paul tells us to address these, these challenging situations. So, so how do we want to address the tough issues of our day? We want to be what? Full of grace and full of truth. Can we say that together? Full of grace and full of truth. Let's say it again. Full of grace and full of truth. So what is the issue? We've talked about how we want to respond. And what's the issue? I, I believe the core issue plaguing our world and the church is that we've lost our foundational understanding of what's right and wrong. We've neglected truth. Listen, without truth, anyone can do whatever they want to do and call it right. So here's the question. What's truth? What is truth? It's interesting that this is the very question that Pilate, that Pilate asked Jesus 
in John chapter 18, as, as Jesus is on trial before Pilate, Pilate brings this question that I think is, is the big, it's the big question in this, in this present day, in this present time as we're dealing with these issues. So, so the religious leaders had the Roman soldiers arrest Jesus, and, and they were upset at Jesus because Jesus brought truth. He brought truth and confronted their hypocrisy. He made them look bad, therefore they're ticked off. And they were so angry, they wanted him taken out. They wanted him killed, but they couldn't kill him. It was against their tradition, so they needed Pilate to do their dirty work. They need Pilate to do what they didn't, what, they needed Pilate to do for them what they couldn't do for themselves, which was basically kill Jesus. So we have here in John 18, I want to pick up kind of halfway through in the story, just for the sake of time, beginning with verse 37, John 18, 37, Jesus again on trial before Pilate. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Notice verse 38, Pilate asked this question. What, what is truth? With this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against them. But is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover? Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now, Barabbas had taken part in the uprising. So as I see this story playing out, I think Pilate was in a position that he didn't want to be in. I mean, he has Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, sitting before him. And he has to determine whether he's guilty or innocent. He has to determine whether he's going to be set free or crucified. Now, again, as I mentioned, the religious leaders, they had, um, they had turned against Jesus, basically because Jesus brought truth. How many of you know we all love truth until truth conflicts with where we're at? Isn't that true? Everybody loves truth. I mean, we're, we're all champions of truth until truth cuts us like right to the core. It's kind of like, it's kind of like um, road safety. How many, of you, how many of you think our roads should be safe, that we should have safety on our roads? We, we would all be for that, right? We all want safety on the road until the policeman stops and gives us a ticket for speeding. And then we're angry at the policeman. Why? Because truth caught up with us. And we become defensive and we become protective and we try to talk him out of what we know we're guilty of. And we're all for truth until truth addresses where we're at. And that's kind of where the religious leaders were at. They were angry at Jesus because Jesus brought truth. And it confronted him. So they have him turned over to Pilate. He asked, Pilate then asked the question that's critical for us as we wrestle with culture shock today and Again, it's this question, what is truth? I think 60 years ago, the answer to the question, what is truth, would have been relatively easy to find. I mean, you could ask a businessman, you could ask a homemaker, you could ask a, a student in high school or a college student, what's truth? And, 
And they would have at least been able to point you in the right direction. They may have not have been living truth, but they would have at least been able to point you in the right direction. I mean, it was things like loyalty and courtesy and honesty and faithfulness. They, those things were right and lying and, and cheating and stealing were clearly wrong. The Ten Commandments were, were like on target. The golden rule was important to follow. But around 1950, that's just a ballpark, there began to be a, a shift um, in our popular culture's thinking that occurred. Truth that was once viewed as being really clear and absolute became to be perceived as relative. And here's the problem with relative truth. Relative truth means this. It's whatever you want it to be. So you define your truth. So when we begin to see this slide, then we, uh, then with that we see a decline in morality. We see a decline in righteous values. So this question that, that Pilate asked Jesus is really significant. Because I think, again, I think the core of the issue is this drift from what is right. This drift from truth. So, so, so what is truth? And we could, do, we could give a definition of truth. We could say that truth is factual. Truth is that which is always right. And that would be correct. I mean, you could go to Webster's Dictionary and you could find a definition of truth. Not is truth only always right. Not only is truth factual, but truth is a person. That's what we need to understand today. Truth is a person. And the person is Jesus Christ. Look there to your notes. Jesus is truth and he's the way of truth. He is truth and he's the way of truth. If you look back to Jesus' conversation with Pilate in verse 37, Pilate says, you're a king then. And notice how Jesus answered down into verse 38. Jesus said, I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and I came into the world is notice he says to testify to truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens, listens to me. Now, Jesus said the reason I came was to testify truth. Not only did I come to testify truth, but, 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 I, but I am truth. In John 14, 6, a pretty significant verse. John 14, 6, Jesus said this. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am life. The way the truth, the life. And he went on to say something pretty bold. He says, hey, no one can come to the Father but through me. Why? Because he says, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. But basically, Jesus was saying to Pilate, you want to know what truth is? You're looking at it. Truth is in your presence. Now, this is important for us to understand because as we interact with individuals in our culture dealing with these divisive issues, we always want to come back to truth. We want to be gracious. We want to be full of grace, but we also want to bring truth. So when we bring truth, what are we bringing? We're bringing Jesus because truth is a person. It's important for us to understand that Jesus is the truth. And the way, the way to truth. Not only is Jesus the truth, but Jesus reveals truth to us through the Word and by the Holy Spirit. Through the Word and by the Holy Spirit. So if we want to discover what truth is, we have to dig into God's Word. Listen, different people can come up with different opinions, but at the end of the day, what really matters is what God's Word says. But it is the source of authority. It doesn't matter whether people agree with it or not, because some won't. It doesn't matter whether people like it or not, because some won't. And at the end of the day, what it's God's Word that reveals truth 
for us. So truth is revealed through the word and by the Holy Spirit. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 8 says this, that the flower, that the grass and the flower will wither, but the word of God will stand, get this, forever. You know what that means? It means people come and go. Presidents come and go. Leaders come and go. Time continues to pass, but God's word stands true forever. Forever. So Jesus reveals truth through the word and by the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Paul wrote these words. He says, all scripture is God-breathed. In other words, God, all scripture is God-given. He goes on to say that it's useful. It's useful in teaching and, and rebuking and, and, uh, and teaching and, and training in righteousness. But God's word. God's Word guides us into truth. God's Word helps us know the difference between what's wrong and what's right. What's, what's true and what's false. So Paul says that it's God's Word that, that trains us in righteousness, that teaches us, that rebukes us, that corrects us when we're wrong, when we're in error. What? It's God's Word. It's the truth of the Word. So Jesus reveals truth to us through the Word. And by the Holy Spirit. What, what does that mean? It means this. It means you're not on your own. It means you have help. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit who resides in you. And one of the roles of the Holy Spirit, according to John 14, 26, is to reveal truth to you. The Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to you. Jesus is truth. So the Holy Spirit brings truth to you. So you're interacting. You're in a, a conflicting situation. You're trying to figure out what should I say? How should I respond? What do you have? You have the help of the Holy Spirit. In other words, again, you're not on your own. This is not like some solo fight, uh, solo flight. You're on your own trying to figure this thing out. No, you have the Holy Spirit in you. You have the teacher in you to help you. What does he do? He reveals truth. So Jesus reveals truth to us by the word and through the Holy Spirit. Not only does Jesus reveal truth to us, but Jesus modeled the truth through his life. He modeled the truth. So as we're confronted with difficult conversations, dealing with potentially polarizing issues, we want to follow the model of Jesus. We want to operate out of grace and love and compassion as we clearly, as we clearly speak the truth. The great illustration of this is John chapter 8, and you can read the story later. I just want to quickly summarize it for you. The Gospel of John chapter 8. In this story, in this happening, the religious leaders, the teachers, the, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees find a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. In other words, she's guilty. No discussing it. She's guilty. She was caught in the act. And they bring her to Jesus, like throw her before Jesus. And this is what they say to Jesus. Jesus, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. The law of Moses, the truth says stone her. What do you say? And get this, Jesus just, he didn't say anything. He just knelt down and he, and he started to doodle in the sand. It's like, gee, what are you doing? This what craft time? You doing some animal creatures or something here? Like, what's the deal? I mean, it was a pretty intense situation. There was a power play happening. There was conflict. I mean, it was like in the face. 
And the scripture says they continue to press Jesus with questions. What are you going to do? We caught her. She's guilty. The scripture says that Jesus stands up and to the religious leaders, this is what he says. It's pretty amazing. Let him who's without sin cast the first stone. The scripture says from the oldest to the youngest, they begin to leave one by one. Now it's just Jesus and the woman. And Jesus says this to the woman. says, woman, where, where are those who condemn you? She said, they're all gone. And Jesus says something totally amazing to me. He says, neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. An amazing story of Jesus being full of grace, yet full of truth. As I was reflecting on this story, I thought, well, there's, there's some things we need to pick up here about the model of Jesus. So, so what can we learn from, from Jesus in this story? I think the first is this. You never want to use truth in a destructive way. You never want to use truth in a destructive way. Listen, you can beat people up with truth or you can build people up with truth. It all depends on how you use truth. Listen, I could wear you out this morning with truth. Or I could add value to your life by speaking truth. Again, it's all about how we, how we use truth. I mean, we have the religious leaders here, the Pharisees in this story. Listen, they had truth. They came, they came to Jesus and said, hey, this is what the law and Moses said. This is what truth says. What are you going to do? So they had truth. It's not that they didn't have truth. They had truth. But they were using truth in a destructive way. So don't do that. Divisive issues, of our, the polarizing issues of our time. Listen, don't use truth to beat someone up and then say, Jesus bless you. Don't attack them with truth and wear them out with truth because you think you have to win and then tag Jesus' name to it. Don't do that. We want to use truth in a constructive way. A second thing I think we can pick up here from Jesus in this story is, is don't react. When you're in a conflicting situation, when these polarizing issues, don't react. Because listen, 99% of the time when you react, you're going to say something wrong. It's like open mouth, stick big foot in mouth. We react. We react. We, 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 like, we don't even engage our brain. We don't even think. We just react. And as I was reading this story, I thought, well, why would Jesus kneel down and, and doodle in the sand? Why would he? I don't know what he was drawing. I don't know what he was writing, but he was doing something in the sand. Why would he do that? And as I was thinking about it, I thought, you know, he's just reflecting. He didn't react. I mean, they're in his face. They're pressing him with this issue. Here's a woman, maybe just wrapped with a sheet around her. She's guilty. They want an answer. They have truth. And Jesus bends down and starts riding in the sand. I think he was reflecting. Maybe even it was one of those prayers to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we got a tough situation here. What should I say? And as they continue to press him, then that's when Jesus stood up and said, let him who's without sin cast the first stone. Pretty good answer, I think. So 
I think what we can learn from this story is we want to reflect and respond. Don't react. Reflect and respond so that your words might be full of grace. Seasoned with salt. I think here's a third lesson we can learn from from this story in John 8 is we want to lead with grace and compassion. Lead the conversation with grace and compassion. I mean, now the religious leaders are gone. The ones who are using truth in a destructive way, they're gone. It's just Jesus and the woman. And get this, Jesus didn't say, like, how many times are you going to keep messing up? He didn't say, well, what was his name? Obviously, this is not the first man you've been with. And he he would have known all of that. But he didn't attack the woman. He didn't condemn the woman. The first thing he does is he responds with compassion. He says, where are those who condemned you? They're all gone. And he makes this awesome statement, neither do I condemn you. What He led with compassion and grace. But he didn't stop there. He also brought truth with love. Because the last statement he says to the woman is this. Go now and leave your life of sin. He brought truth into the conversation. He was full of grace and full of truth. And I believe that this woman's life was forever changed. Why? Because she experienced grace and truth. Again, what what a model for us. Don't be full of grace and full of truth. You know, going back to the story of Pilate, in John 18, Pilate asked a critical question of the one who, who had truth and was truth. I mean, he's got Jesus before him. He's got truth before him. And he asked the question, what is truth? I mean, he's in the presence of truth. And get this. He goes out of the presence of truth and he's influenced by the crowd. He's influenced by the culture of the day. And he comes back and he has the Messiah crucified. So I ask you this morning as I conclude, what's influencing your thinking process? Is it the culture of the day? Or is it the truth of God's word? What's influencing your thinking living process today? Is it Fox News or other side of the coin, CNN, or is it the truth of God's Word? What's influencing your thinking living process? Is it maybe a dominant, uh, a friend who has a dominant behavior, a strong personality who's pressing views on you, and so you're believing what they believe because you really don't know what you believe? Here's Pilate. Get this. He is in the presence of truth. I mean, truth is right before him. And he walks away from truth. And it's the crowd that influences his decision. It's the culture that influences his decision. So what's influencing your living, your thinking living process? And we want to be those who are full of grace and full of truth. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you this morning for the counsel of your word. 
Lord, I thank you for the guidance that you bring, the help that you bring. Lord, these are challenging days we're living in. No way around it. Lord, there's polarizing issues. Lord, it's happening. Lord, in student schools. Lord, I know what we're talking about today, Lord. Man, it's happening in their classroom. There's dialogue. There's debate, Lord, in the marketplace, in our neighborhoods. God, these are issues where we find ourselves maybe on opposite ends with friends and family members. And Lord, it's challenging. So Lord, I pray today for myself as well as all of my friends in the room today. Lord, for all of us. Because I think, Lord, I just think this is a challenge for all of us. Lord, help us be those who live full of grace and full of truth. Jesus, may we represent you well. May we not be those who enrage and become bitter and attacking. May we be those, Lord, out of compassion we respond. May we be courageous when it comes to truth. Lord, may we not compromise that which is right, that which is true. But Lord, may we represent truth in such a way that individuals would be open and responsive. And Lord, whether they believe what we believe or not, whether they embrace truth or not, Lord, may they walk away from the conversation knowing that we care. May they experience, Lord, that of the compassion of Christ in our lives. Holy Spirit, help us to that end. Because, Lord, I know it's difficult. I know it's challenging for me as well as all my friends here today. But in our minds, may there be that full of grace, full of truth, full of grace, full of truth. Lord Jesus, as we represent you to our world. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.